Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. ARCHICAD is the official BIM software of the Entree Architect community. ARCHICAD BIM software enables design, collaboration, visualization, and project delivery no matter the project size or complexity. With flexible licensing options and a dedicated support team to guide us along the way, ARCHICAD is an ideal choice for firms and projects of any size. I encourage you to reach out and talk to the folks at Graphisoft by visiting our own dedicated webpage at graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. There's even an exclusive special offer waiting for our Entree Architect community. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioned to help make your architecture firm a success. That's graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Chris Briley, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hi, Mark. Good to be here. Chris Briley is a principal architect at Bryburn, where he practices architecture for life specializing in sustainable design. Uh, he's a certified passive house consultant and he co-hosts the Green Architects Lounge podcast. He is an enthusiastic participant of the Building Science Discussion Group in Portland and a founding board member at Passive House, Maine. So that's Portland, Maine that we're talking about, not the other West not Coast. The, right, not 
We're, we're the first Portland. So, You're the yeah. good Portland. The I mean, good sorry, Portland. the first Portland. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so that's who Chris is. Welcome, Chris. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Mark. It's good to be here. Good this to is going to be fun. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I, uh, you've been, you've been, uh, around doing this thing for a long time. You've been the green architects lounge podcast has been around a long time. It's been uh, around a long time. And, um, our biggest complaint is we don't, uh, put in the episodes like like a real podcast does like yours like we, we like we go away for months at a time and then then put it up in an episode and then go away and and we haven't been we haven't really posted anything since covid we were just getting back into the swing of things and being regular and then covid hit and our the studio where we were starting to record closed and so phil and i haven't been back at it but yeah you we're like um we're like old school uh, podcasters yeah. where we started when <clears throat> There were like five podcast shows out there and you, you know, how many of them were doing architecture, how many of them were doing exactly. green architecture. It was, you know, it was a niche yeah. of a niche. It was you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, there weren't many. And it was, and then, then you came along. And so like, I, I was listening to your podcast, you know, way back in the day as well. So you've, you've, you've been around the block. Yeah. So, yeah. We've been, yeah. we've been doing it before architects knew what podcasts were. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 There are, there are like, they're like, uh, people listening to your podcast now who like were were like uh, just little kids running around <laughs> and now they're architects and like oh i'm thinking about being uh you know starting my own uh, business and in, in architecture who should, who should i listen to and, it's, and that's just wild to think about like, that is a crazy now, thought wild. yeah 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 that's a good show and they're, they're gonna they're gonna be great architects those kids so. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly they're gonna change the world yeah well, I'd love to know how you got started when you were a kid or, or whenever you discovered your passion for architecture, what inspired you to become an architect? Oh, wow. I'm, I'm one of those kids who like always knew he wanted to be an architect by like, you know, like uh, sophomore year in high school or whatever. So, you know, that's very annoying to, to people like my wife who are like, you know, she's like still trying to figure out what she wants to do, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. And, but I was always like, oh, I want to be an architect. And I don't know. I think I always wanted to do art. And then realized, oh, that's that's a that's a hard life. <laughs> and then I, I don't know, got more excited when I realized, oh, you can do sculpture that you walk through and experience, you live your life in, and uh, you know that just charged me up even more. And uh, I wasn't a good student. Uh, and then I remember my mom sitting me down and saying, you know, if if you want any of these architecture schools to look at you, your grades have to. Let's look at what your grades are and what they're what they are looking for, for entry fee. Anyway, I don't have to get into that, all, all that stuff. But, but basically I, you know, it was the desire to be an architect that actually made me a good student where yeah. I wasn't before, or I should say I was a lazy student before, but then I became a, a better one. And uh, I went to uh, Ball State um, College of Architecture and Planning. And, and for those of you from New England, it's, it's weird. Like when I move out to Maine, you know, from the Midwest, in the Midwest, I say, yeah, I went to Ball State. Everyone knows where that is. I'm right. here. I say I went to Ball State and they're like, State? Awesome. I'm like Indiana. Dave Letterman went there. Yeah, whatever. And Jeff Eccles. Jeff Eccles of uh, Andre Architect fame. He's Ball State grad. All right. All right. Yep. Go Cardinals. Whatever. Yep. I don't. I think it's Cardinals. Yes. I have no idea. <laughs> he would know. He's a baseball I, fan. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. He would know. I I uh, missed the sports gene, as my brothers would say. I didn't get that one. They they did, but I, I didn't. Anyway. Um, uh, long story short, I ended up in Maine, uh, uh, was working for other firms and, uh, you know, I eventually went out on my own. Um, and I think, you know, somewhere in that span had that epiphany moment where 
I realized from the earth's perspective or from future generations perspectives, architects are, are not the good guy. You know, like if we're making a movie of protagonists, um, it's not architects or builders. We, we, you know, build things, we consume uh, materials and energy and, and make toxic chemicals and do all this stuff and, you know, dig up the earth and plow things over and cut down trees, yada, yada, yada. And then when you realize, oh my God, we're, you know, with climate change and all that, it's like, wow, we are the problem. And then how do you, how do you sit with that as like, oh, my career choice is, is, you know, right in conflict or right at this nexus of where all these things come together. And, you know, you just have to, I, I don't know exactly when that happened. I think it happened like really, you know, 19 or late 1990s or whatever, when I wanted to be sustainable. And that was really before climate change was as big a thing. And now, you know, carbon is, uh, you know, upfront carbon is even, you know, the bigger issue that that's feeling that, that whole uh, climate change issue for architects. And yeah. And so now like, there's always this struggle in my, you know, in our office and in our, in what we do, like we have to be the good guys. We have to have that triple bottom line where it's, you know, uh, people planet and profit, you know, cause I am a for-profit company or we right. run one, you know, don't, want, um, but what we do, we want it, we need it to be good for the people who are experiencing the buildings and for our employees and for, you know, every, everyone involved. If you did good at that great check, if you're, what you're doing is actually good for the planet, or at least not bad for the planet then check. And then if you make money check and Hey, you're a good businessman. Um, or I made it that, I mean, that's easier said than done. Yeah. Honestly. Well, that's actually what my next question is. So, so do you, do you remember the moment where you had this firm and you realized that this is a change that you needed to make and you needed to, to be more focused on sustainability and, and start to really promote sustainability and build, you know, build a, a brand around being a sustainable firm. Did you make that as a conscious decision? And how did you make that change? Well, I don't, I, yeah, I think it started, you know, the, the firm I was in beforehand, we were doing a lot of stuff for Tom's of Maine, which was great. And I think that's where I really had a lot of exposure to, you know, sustainability and being, you know, let loose, like, oh yeah, you know, try to be, you know, and you realize pretty quickly that there's, there's a greener way to do everything, you know, like whatever you think right. you know, the best way to do something is there's a more sustainable way to do it. And it's, you know, at some point it'll get crazy, but so you got to find that point where it's, where it's good and, and everyone buys into it and it's, and it brings value. And, you know, I, so I think I learned that part. And then I think when I went out on my own, it really was around a, a particular house um, that, I was working on with another builder. It was a spec house where, you know, housing doesn't buildings are, you know, because they're so large, you know, like they, the, the market doesn't change rapidly for architecture, you know, like most builders out there, you know, build what sells and people buy what's offered. And there's not a lot of pushing the envelope. It it's. And so like, we really wanted to push the envelope and say, yeah, we can build better. We can build more sustainably and, and whatever. And so I think that was the triggering piece that made me go out on my own and do that. And, but putting, you know, figuring out exactly when that was where I, you know, said, all right, I'm devoting my career to doing only, you know, sustainable stuff. And back then, you know, we're talking like 2005, whatever. And when I opened that, that office was called Green Design Studio. Bryburn's been around since 2013, but 
you know, when I named it Green Design Studio, they're like, oh my God, I, you know, all my friends and colleagues are like, are you sure you want to like hang your hat on the word, you know, on green? Like there's, <laughs> you're going to get like one project a year, you know, are you sure you want to do yeah. that? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm doubling down. I'm doing it because that's what I want to do. Um, and, but now, now everybody, now every firm is like, oh yeah, we do that. We do green. Right. Yeah. Like, well, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but do you live it? Is it you know, part of the culture? And that's, that's the thing is like, we're trying to, at Bryburn, we're trying to really make sustainability part of the culture. I mean, it's like, that's what our projects are. And that's what we do. You know, we energy model everything we do. Um, yeah. uh, well, not everything. I should say we know all the new projects, we energy model some renovations, but renovations have their own beasts. They, sometimes there's really no point in energy modeling um, the uh, renovations. If it's like, in addition to a, you know, uh, 20, 200 year old farmhouse, it's, you know, like the part we do is going to be great. And then, you know, we'll have to deal with the rest of the house later or something where the plant well. So you, you built the firm Bryburn knowing that it was going to be focused on sustainability. It's part of your brand. What, what are some of the specific decisions you made when you launched Bryburn to make that part of your brand, that it's clear that this is how your firm works? Uh, well, that's a good question. I think when, when that happened, um, you know, I was so happy to get rid of the word green, you know, the, the, uh, uh title of my firm, whatever at the time. And then I, I partner and, and the reason why it's called Bryburn is that my name is Briley and my partner is Harry Hepburn. And you push those together as, as Bryburn. And it took us months to come up with that, uh, name or whatever. <laughs> I, it's just crazy. I have all the other names we were considering. And, and that was actually just the name that our, our marketing guy, who's a friend of mine, he, he just, that was just what he used to talk about us just generically or whatever. I'm going Got to it. meet with Bryburn or whatever. It was an abbreviation. Yeah. It was an abbre and I'm like, well, let's do that. And you know what? You Google Bryburn, you just get one, there's, you know, right. it's a unique, right. unique word. And you got the URL. And I got the, yeah, that was, that was a Bryburn.com yeah, the, is there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but so, it was a and, conscious, it was a conscious decision to not use sustainability or green in the name of the firm. Yes, because because of the tragedy of the word green, you know, mm -hmm. it's like now, you know, everyone there's, there's green washing and every firm does green now. It's like, well, yeah, but do you and 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 it's meaningless because to some person, green means bamboo floors. It's like, no, that's that's not green. And some people's net zero, some people's carbon zero. So it, it has no metric to it. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean anything. The word sustainable is almost the same thing. We were worried almost any other word we choose is going to suffer the same fate eventually in some way or another. We thought, all right, if we have a unique word, Bryburn, that is, you know, we get to over the course of our career of this office, define what that is. Right. And so what, what we want that to be is like a, a, you know, synonymous with sustainable architecture. You know, that's the aspiration and we're working on it. Um, and also, you know, because this is a business podcast, you know, an architecture business podcast, we can talk about, you know, like that name is like, you've got firms where we didn't want to be Briley Hepburn because I don't know, we want to also foster culture in the office where um, people can help pilot the, the, the course of the office, you know, like we, we, as the principals, you know, would guide that philosophy of sustainability and that mission and others can, you know, we gather those who you know, share that philosophy and can help us as we grow older and like less in touch with the cool stuff or whatever, or, you know, like the people who, <laughs> who, who come in with all with, with, you know, like the new passions and excitement and directions and stuff, like they can have an effect and they can guide where this goes and actually feel ownership. And so like we can one day just fade away the, the principles and 
right. to have a op. And that's the dream. And Bryburn can continue and, and, Bryburn and grow can beyond you. And, right. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. the, that was the idea, but I don't know if I even answered the original question. Yeah, I, don't I, I think so. Yeah. You, well, you're also, you're also, and I didn't mention this in your bio, but, but you're also a co-author of pretty good house book. Yes. Of, yeah. In fact, that's, that's the thing that we're, you know, we're pushing these days, the, the, the authors and, you know, not necessarily for book sales, because I mean, honestly, when we, when we did this book, we, we weren't sure how popular it would be. And, and, you know, like no one's planning to retire from this book. No one's, you know, it's not a, that's not why we did it. it well, after it, this podcast, you may, you never know. You oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm going <laughs> to sell see millions the, of these things. I guess. Yeah. I get the entree architect bump in sales. It's going to be yeah. great. You heard it. People go, go buy yeah, the book. Go get it at Amazon. Leave it, leave a five-star review. If you, let's, if you like it, if you don't, then don't leave anything, but um, do the five-star review. It's good. Yeah. But I think this book was, uh, you know, like the whole idea is um, in fact, this is how the book started where um, then COVID, so, we, so we had the building uh, science discussion group. You mentioned that in the, you know, I, I always like to promote that um, uh, Steve Constantino of performance building supply here in Portland, Maine. He always, he, he and Dan Colbert, the, my fellow co-author and builder, uh, you know, they'd, they'd get together, talk about, think about a topic, usually like minutes before the session started or whatever. And basically builders, architects, engineers, whoever, building enthusiasts would just show up at Steve's store. We'd have beers. Sometimes there's snacks. Some, if in the summertime, someone would get the grill out or whatever. And we'd pick a topic and argue about it and, and, and debate it. And, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, cathedral ceilings, you know, vent or don't vent, or how do you, how's the best way to do that? And you have all these Yankee builders who are stubborn as hell say, Oh, this is how you do it. You always do it this way. And everyone knows it. And, and then, you know, so and it was great. You know, it's a great, uh, forum and, uh, uh, anyway, so Dan and Dan's usually the moderator and I'm like his understudy when he can't make it or that's, that was the shtick anyway. Um, and so we were doing, he was like, I think he was doing his first passive house or maybe it was a lead gold or platinum house or something like that. And anyway, he was, um, I'm putting words in his mouth, but who cares? Um, he'll, he's not here. He's not here to defend himself. So <laughs> anyway, uh, I think he was very frustrated about, you know, these rating systems and how he's been, you know, he's doing these sustainable houses and he's just going through all this work just to prove that he's doing it. Right. And, and I think it exasperated, you know, he said, I just want to do a pretty good house. We just want to do a pretty good house. I, and what does that look like? And so we had this great conversation about what that looks like. And it was like, it was heated about, you know, like how much do you insulate? Because you, this was, this was the moment when, you know, passive house was right in the crosshairs of people. They're like, Oh, you're putting 16 inches of foam under a slab. It's like how, you know, to hit your energy goals. At what point do you say, I'm, I'm being ridiculous about this. And it's like, well, we need to, we need to affect the masses, not just one boutique house. Anyway, so um, Mike Maines, a fellow co-author, blogged about that session and on the greenbuildingadvisor.com and it kind of blew up. And, and there were, we had a second session and he blogged about that. And all of a sudden people are like talking about, can't wait for build, you know, pretty good house standards to, to come out. And this, this is going to be a great system that we're all going to, yeah, I'm looking for. And we're like, whoa, this thing, we hit the, zit, the zeitgeist on this one. And, and it was like, it, it, it is, it is like a Frankenstein monster getting born. up from the table and boring. It's like, holy crap, we better figure out what to do. And 
I can't remember, this is like 10 years ago, whatever, and or more. And and I think I was the one who was pushing most like, we need to make this a book and get it out there. And and um, I think Mike, uh, you know, pitched it to Taunton Press, or I, I can't remember, what it, was. it was probably Mike. And at the time, they were like, ah, no one's into books, they're all into e books and all into, you know, everything's the future's digital, man. Yeah. And then uh, COVID hit and you know, the phone rings and it's a publisher from Taunton. He's like, Hey, you know uh, how we said people aren't interested in books. People are really interested in books now. <laughs> and this was a really great idea. I don't know why we didn't do it. I'm like, I don't know why you didn't do it either, man. And so um, uh, basically, you know, the four of us, um, you know, uh, got together and said, let's, let's write this together because, you know, the, it, the whole concept of pretty good house the 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 cool thing about it is it's sort of consensus born you know it's born from you know a debate amongst all of our peers and um and they're all really great people who really know what they're talking about and um yeah so like we wanted to get a group of people to to write this and so it was Dan Colbert Mike Maines Emily Mottram and myself and then we got a um a publisher, you know, who basically wrangled us like cats and, you know, he's retired. It was, it, ours was the last book. He swears it has nothing oh, yeah. to do with his retirement, but. You put um, him out of business. <laughs> yeah. Peter, Peter Chapman. He was really great. Um, but, you know, he, he did say, you guys are writing with a very similar voice, which is helpful. Um, and of course, you know, I, th I think we did give him a, a few extra gray hairs having four authors. Um, but, uh, you know, essentially we, you know, divided up the chapters and, and amongst us and all took the first pass at it and then all, you know, critiqued um, each other's work and made sure we're saying the right things here and we're all in agreement on it. And, um, you know, the editors did their pass and, you know, cut out like 25% of all of our words and, uh, you know, made it a much more, much more readable tomb. And then of course, Taunton, you know, they've got access to, you know, great publication abilities. And then, um, yeah, and it happened. There you go. How, how long did it take from the initial uh, invitation to publish to the point where you had the book in your hand? Uh, well, from the first invitation, almost, yeah, almost two years. So it would be like, um, but when we really got started, about a year and a half would probably be the real answer to that. Um, and uh, yeah, and so, and and you think that, you know, writing stops like a good, you know, six months before um, the book comes out, you know, there's a lot of, you know, actual publishing that happens and editing yeah. and, and whatnot and, and back and forth that way. So, so yeah. who is, who's the book written for? Oh uh, yeah. That was the other really hard part about this book is because we are trying to hit a, a very broad cross section of readers. Like the, this, this book is for like, for me, like, oh, and since this is, Entree Architect, like this is a great book to hand the intern who's starting in the office and say, here, this is, you know, like it's, we say it's a guide to creating better homes because that's really what we, it, yeah. it's like, we're trying to, it's trying, it's tries to be a, a book about everything. Um, but it's also a book where there's nothing new in it. It's just organized and compiled in like a, almost a textbook way that is very conversational with a slight bit of humor or whatever. And it's like, here, you, you, you can read this. And it's also a good one to like give um, your excited uh, clients who've come through the door and they're like, you know, I want to learn about all these things. And you could, you could spend 
tons of time teaching them and talking about it. Or you could say, I want you to have this book here, read, read this, you know, you know, it's homework, put it under your pillow, absorb it or whatever. And we'll, you know, we, it's a good primer. Um, it's also a book that I think enthusiastic homeowners or people who are about to build their own house, you know, call a timeout, buy this book, read it. And it's sort of like, helps sort of get your value set, you know, situated. What are the important things to get right? And what is the process through, you know, home building that you should, you know, go through from, you know, design to, um, you know, site site stuff, getting your team right, um, you know, the building envelope, and then get into the technical stuff with uh, systems and vapor barriers, the whole thing. And, and so like, for some, like, I think for new architects, uh, they're going to get a lot out of this book. I think experienced architects, they'll get a little bit out of it, um, or experienced in high-performance buildings. And anyone's doing high-performance houses, and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll probably take something from it. There's there's some good content in there. Um, but I also think someone like um, my mom, you know, she'd read it and go, yeah. like, you know, hey, this is good. There's some good stuff in here. And, and I don't, you know, if they, it, it basically... You can, you can get as deep as you need to get. And that was actually the hardest part about writing this thing was trying to keep it, you know, uh, so that we we're talking to those yeah. same people of different experience levels. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by RCAT.com. Can't find the product data that you're looking for? you might be using the wrong search engine. Broad searches result in consumer products, out-of-date information, and websites that hide or don't have the information that you're looking for. If you need specifications, CAD or BIM, RCAT.com is your search engine. Find and download the up-to-date data that you need fast. RCAT.com is free and requires no registration. So try RCAT today. That's A-R-C-A-T dot Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. It's very approachable, right? It, it's yeah. this, this, this concept, right? This topic of sustainable design can get so complicated and so deep and so in the weeds with all the calculations and the details and just gets overwhelming. Um, mm -hmm. And what's fantastic about the pretty good house is that it's better than just a regular house, right? It's, it's, yeah. you can build code and code will let you build a, you know, a, the, the, the best worst house you can build. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and pretty good house is saying, okay, well, if you don't want to just build the best worst house you can build, this is a pretty good house. This is, this yeah. is going to be better than a typical house. It's not going to be at the top of, of, it's not going to be a passive house or at, you know, the extreme, or it's not going to be net zero, but if you right. want to build a house that, that is sustainable, it's taking care of the planet. You're, you're looking at your materials and you're looking at every aspect of the house. It's not just systems, but it's everything, right? It's the materials that you build with the systems that you build with the the methods that you build with. Yeah. Um, it's all in there and it's really easy to consume. It's easy to understand. It's, it's, it's illustrated. So it's, you know, us architects, yeah. you know, the, oh, yeah. the eye candy is there for you. And so it's, uh, it's very well done. And it's a book that every architect should have on their shelf for reference, for sure. Oh, well, th thanks for saying that, Mark. I, I, I mean, I think so, but I'm incredibly biased. So 
Yeah. Yeah. I totally, that, uh, I, you said it better than I did. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it's uh, for and who it's for. So, yeah. Is, is there anything that's happened with you and, or your co-hosts since writing the book? That's just sort of interesting that this is sort of, uh, a result of having being now being an author, has there been any sort yeah. of experiences that you've dealt with? There, there, there's been a few, like, like there's a lot that, you know, it's all, everything's the same. I, you know, I walk through the door in the office. No one gives a crap about it. I, I'm like, here's here, here's a book. You can have it for yourself. And I'm like, thanks. You know, <laughs> they, uh, you know, big deal, but um, they're keeping yeah, you I, humble. We're, yes, exactly. I don't want but, you to recognize the rock star that you've become. Exactly. Yeah. They, uh, once this, this ego is already just brimming, <laughs> it's ready to just overflow. But no, like uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of people who have, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, um, they'll visit prettygoodhouse.org and then they'll, they'll thank us for writing this book. And they're like, oh my God, I learned so much. I'm so glad I read, you know, this, you know, this chapter about, um, you know, air sealing before I built my house. I had no idea it was so important or whatever. You know, there's, there's so many pieces and parts that, you know, different people will take it, you know, from different angles but we've also heard from uh different um universities or teaching institutions that are really like this is a textbook you know this yeah. is a we might start adjusting a course can we use your book and so like we're talking about that um you know penn state is looking at it there's a um, canadian uh university looking at a couple of community schools um uh, community colleges that are uh, starting to pick it up as as maybe a, a you know a textbook and that's very exciting. It is very exciting and and the authors we've we've each done different presentations in different locations. Like I just got back from South Bend, Indiana, um, where uh, you know they they're trying to have uh, sustainable housing development. They're they're trying to uh, you know push for some sustainable housing development and and su sustainable communities and and man what a great group of people in South Bend pushing that and doing you know the work that they're doing there and um you know really diving into their community and 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 you know creating neighborhoods you know based on a community not like you know from the outside in but from the inside out and um they contacted us because they wanted they're like ah, you know this has an element of sustainability to it this this is you know we can't just you can't just do affordable housing and uh, and and expect you know a lot of its renovations and that sort of thing but if you do you know affordable housing a lot of people think affordable housing is you know the the cheapest house you can you can make for someone to get into you know like a roof over right. your head you know heat and all that stuff but if it is a huge burden you know you're just you if it's the cheapest house and worst house you can build then it's also the hardest house to maintain and with the biggest burden. And you just gave, if you're in an affordable housing entity and you give, you know, that kind of house to a, a person who's struggling, then they're never going to get ahead. But if you give them a house that with, you know, tiny energy bills and that's very comfortable and easy and durable to, you know, easy to maintain and durable, then, you know, you just help them out even more. And usually these, these entities that are creating this type of work, these, these projects, um, these, this type of housing, they have the means to do so. And do it for them, it's not much of a stretch yeah. to go that, just make a pretty good house instead of a, you know, a low income house. I'm using air quotes. Um, you can see me, Mark, but they yeah. can't, but, but um, <laughs> I went on a tangent there, I realized, but, uh, but I, yeah. I think that there, that what you just said uh, calls for the pretty good development book as a volume oh two <laughs> yeah. that, that talks about how you can build pretty good development. 
Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I'll give you an exclusive, an entree architect uh, exclusive. But Excellent. I, I, I love it. I think, I think uh, pretty good renovations is being heavily talked about. And Interesting. Very, Interesting. Very well be the next um, uh, sequel, but we're, we're getting a lot of pressure from Taunton and others to, to do that because you read the book that we give some lip service to renovation work, but you know, renovations, the, every project is so different and unique yeah. and, and there, there's a lot to think about there. And, and there's, there's a lot that they all have in common, but we thought, you know, the basic principles of everything are much better explained with, you know, new construction. Um, so uh, yeah, so it's a good sequel book. And yeah, I think pretty good renovations are, would be, have a huge demand. I think there are a lot of renovation architects out there that would love some sort of book like that, that sort of gives us a guide to, mm -hmm. to how to do it better. Yeah. Um, that, that, you know, that the pretty good house has a lot of information for that. So renovation architects should be grabbing that book too, but to have a book right. that's very specific to renovations would be great. I'd right. buy that. Oh, great. Thanks, Mark. I'll put you, I'll put you down. Sale number one. We'll send right. it to you. It's you got it. and everything. That sounds good to me. All right. Well, uh, before we wrap up, I'd love to uh, have your answer to my question that I ask my guests. Sure. Um, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Well, I should have known this was coming, Mark. I should have been more prepared <laughs> for the question. But um, if I had to uh, answer that, I'm going to kind of answer it with like what what I'm struggling with now, or what I'm what I'm realizing now. What I um, you know the uh, you know, the phrase, know thyself, yeah. you know, like it is uh, immensely important. Like once, once you, when you're starting your own business, everything is like um, a struggle and you're, you're like in the trenches and you don't, you don't have time to really uh, put focus on, on yourself in terms of what am I really good at? And what am I really bad at? And yeah. what, where, where do I need everything? Where, you know, what, what kind of infill do I need from what, what help do I need? You know? And so, so it's like, what, what advice do I really need to seek in different, you know, aspects of myself, you know, cause I'm, I'm in a way captain of the ship or in my case, co-captain of the, of the ship. And it's like, um, you realize that a lot of, you know, flaws in project management, flaws in, in company management are, the fact that I'm focused on other things that I'm more passionate about or that I, yeah. that I like doing. And so I tend not to do the things that I don't like doing, but you know, Hey, if you're running your own business, you have to do all these things. Like, like I went, I went to college, I, you know, studying architecture, not business. And here, maybe here, there's some advice. Hey, Go take a business class. Join Entree Architect. That's what or we're join here for. A, yeah, join Entree Architect and 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 learn about the business side of architecture. Um, but but for me, I, I think the advice and something I'm I'm learning about is trying to figure out how how do I best fit fit into the to my own office. You know, how do I yeah. um, navigate that? And so like it's that's that's a little bit of um, sit down and meditate and be very honest. That's very good advice. You know, it's some some self-awareness and self-analysis um, and see where you fit best, right? Because yeah, the, the way we succeed is when we focus on uh, the things that we're strong at, the things that we're yeah. really good at and finding other ways to accomplish the, the many things that need to be done, uh, but we may not be the right people for. And yeah. 
when we first start, like you said, we just do it all. Yeah. And 10 years later, you can still just be doing it all. And you could be in a position where you don't have to do it all anymore. And you can focus on the thing that you're really good at and have somebody else do the things that you're not so good at and really take it to the next level by doing that. Yeah. And, and a lot of it, I, I think comes down to passion. It's like, yeah. cause what I think is universal is like, if you're passionate about something, you're good at that thing. And right. I think that's any person is like that. It's like, what, what are you most passionate about? Well, it turns out you're really good at that thing. It's like, if you're passionate about bookkeeping, oh my God, you should be bookkeeping in this yeah. place. I, I don't know those people, but you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> they're it's, out there. They're out there. Yeah. There are numbersy people. There are, you know, so it's, it's, you know, who's passionate about scheduling projects and lining them up like a, like a, like an air traffic controller in the pipeline of things. Where is that person? You know yeah. who that's not? That's not me. I like designing buildings. So like, like learning this stuff about, about yourself it, late in the game is, is not helpful. Learning it about yourself early is, is really important. Yeah. That's, that's my bit of advice. Good, good advice. Good advice. His name is Chris Briley. The firm is Bryburn. Uh, you can learn more about Bryburn at bryburn.com. Got that URL because he picked this, picked this name. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot shorter than the potential long double names. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that burn. Uh, yeah. So bryburn.com. We'll have links to that on the show notes. The book is Pretty Good House. The Pretty Good House. Um, the pretty, uh, it's prettygoodhouse.org is the website. Yeah. Uh, we'll have links to all of that on the show notes. You should go buy that book and read it and give it away and buy lots of them and give them to all your clients. Uh, it is a book that is exactly perfect for that. If you're doing residential work, you should buy a whole collection of them and give them away yes. to every client you work with. Um, and I'm not just saying that because Chris is looking at me here. It is exactly <laughs> what you should do because I think it will help you do what you do, right? Because it'll educate your clients on how you can best serve them. Uh, so Chris, thank you for writing that book, uh, for dedicating yourself to making the world better through architecture rather than harming our, our world through architecture. I appreciate you going out there and talking about it and writing about it. Uh, and I appreciate you for coming by here and sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. It's been a real pleasure and great to be on your show. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, share a link with a friend. That's how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands of architects just like you. Please share a rating, write a review, share a link to this episode with a friend. I'd appreciate it. Links to all our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. It's the network dedicated to architects, engineers, and construction pros. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at Gable Media at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Go check it out. We have, I think, 13 podcasts over there now. Gablemedia.com. And before we wrap up, a special thank you to our partners at Graphisoft for helping our community of architects make the transition to BIM with ARCHICAD software. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioning to help make your architecture firm a success. Visit graphisoft.com slash US 
slash EntreeArchitect to learn more. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arla Page. Love, learn, and go share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.